Hello there, good people of the interwebs. Welcome to episode 51, part 3 of Connect the Dots. So this is it. This is the last episode of Peppers from a Chimney. So let me start by saying thank you. Thank you to the players that joined me on this adventure. And a special thank you goes to the players of Calidus, Elbrum, and Oraki. You persevered, you stayed strong, you provided excellent role-playing, you provided substance to our story, and y'all kept me on my toes with the antics of the Grey Company. To Kalen, McMenus, Odvik, Saber, Morden, Ventus, Asher, and Thoran, thank you too. Thank you for your memorable moments and your contributions. And to all of you players, I can only hope to see you again and together weave another story where we can all go on an adventure. To Kobold Press, many thanks for the Southlands campaign settings. To Fantasy Grounds, none of this would have been possible without your VTT providing the foundation. So then, without further ado, would you like to know what happened to Calidus? Or perhaps are you wanting to know the plans of the goddess queen Meshkenet? So, sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. From a Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is... Elbrum, the Asmar Warlock with his sidekick, Silhouette Starfire, and a pretty wrist leaf. Calidus, the elf-marked wizard who replaces his arms with blades. Will he cast another spell? And finally, Oraki, the ineffable female gnoll cleric with a tribe that stands on a precipice. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set and we game using the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. To be honest, I was really hoping everybody would challenge, and then it would have been a proper battle, because I was just like, well, you guys would have well, been... Well, it, wouldn't have been, it wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been a proper battle. It would have been an instantaneous well, death for all much, of us. Pretty yeah. much. So it, it was, what she did was you... I mean, you took that request as being a choice. And so you're like, no. And you got down Thanks on your knees. Much. Not going to happen. Let's put your arms out, out wide, looked up to the sky. Kill me now. And so she did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But with the knowledge that she didn't continue with the killing, she knew that one of the people could, in fact recover you so she used was it a level eight spell basically to pull all the water from you to desiccate your your body turned me into a giant prune 
And eventually Oraki fell down and she cradled your head lovingly between her breasts and gave you the milk of life. <laughs> I she think healed from, you. She cast your wounds and yeah, healed you and brought you I back. Think, I think Araki doesn't give the milk of life. It's the dust of life. That she yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's too she's old. Old and wrinkled. Well, and this is the funny thing is, you know, with gnolls, this is what I like is that it's a separate species, but they give you limits. And so the fact is, is that she's in her 40s. Gnolls only live into the 50s. So she, yeah, she's, she's, yes, crusty old lady. Crusty old, yep, crusty old gnoll. She brought me back to life. She brought you back to life. She did. Yep. But ultimately, Kalidus eventually challenged the queen again. And, and she, she asked me if I wanted to go. You're going to ask me. I'm going to say no. Yep. That was it. And so she disintegrated Kalidus. Yes. Which in a was puff no, of blue smoke. In a puff of blue smoke. And there was no covering back from that yeah, one. Yeah, we don't come back from that And one. Karima rushed in to grab the Grimalkan eye. And she brought it out in the idol and brought it out for the queen. And the, the reality was, is I was sitting there thinking... What would the Queen Mishkenet do with this? And absolutely, she would use this to her advantage. She knows that ages ago, Tesloria was the, the throne of the goddess Bastet. It used to be the ancient cradle of Bastet before Per-Bastet arose mm-hmm. and became had the favor of the goddess. But there is still the legacies of the Nicosi Empire comes from Tesluria. So being able to control that is just another aspect of many, many machinations. So she was aware that there was the three queens that Tekli had created. She knew about them. She knew there was one underneath the Crescent Desert. She knew one was under the Sarkland Desert. She knew that there was one out in the, the Straits of Zawar. And she had... With the warlord Rykar out dealing with the ones in Sarkland, she had a thread out there connecting. And my thought was that with the Grimalkan idol, she would then have a means of being involved in the Crescent Desert because Tesloria mm-hmm. is out in the middle of the Crescent Desert. So she needed something in order to have more information because underneath the sea was a problem to her, mm-hmm. something she didn't have a solution for. And she the Hive Queen Tekli was as powerful as she was. Even though she was a demigod, this Hive Queen was just as powerful as she was. So she couldn't, she didn't have a window into what the, the, the Hive Queen was doing. She knew that it had something to do with the Herald of Eifrat, who was the another demigod, but from underneath a demon lord. And so a demon lord is, for all intents and purposes, is an evil god, or from hell for other... For, as powerful as a god, but from hell. So the herald belonged to that. So she knew something was going on there, but she wasn't sure of what was everything. So she she had threads there. She had threads tying back to the dragon Maharati Empire. So she had all of these little things that she was doing. The other god kings and goddess queens that existed along the river were all things that she had to be concerned about. So there was lots of little things that were happening that could build into yeah. a lot bigger plots. But she just mishandled the whole thing completely. Mishandled? Totally, completely. Yeah. The answer wasn't to send us out there. The answer was that I've got these guys who've proved that they're brilliant at it. In, the, in five days, they've done this task that was set. The answer was to cultivate them. It wasn't to Except order she, them. Except she didn't know what your guys' tasks was. She knew that this, this idol existed from ancient times, it had been hidden from her. All she knew of was that... That should have been enough. We've, something that you can't get, we just got for you. And that goes, hey, these guys are special. So 
And that was the point at which the partnership should have developed. Because if you think about it from where we sit and where she sits, she can crush us at the a drop of a hat. By yeah. the same token, she could use us to go and do things by building a partnership. And given the number of threads that she's got and with the high-level people, she just had to help us get to be as powerful as needed to deliver back to her the information and the answers that she wanted. But all things have to come to... Look, and if you'd played this out, if, if this had played out over time, yeah. that actually would have been what would have come about. We would have eventually got to a stage where she would be not ordering us to help her but asking us and with an expectation that we would say yes, but certainly not killing us if we said no, to go and assist her to fix some of these issues. Well, here's the thing. So I was trying to think, okay, last... Mind you, we would have been dead because it would be 20 years' time from now. To me, I was in last session, how to make it memorable. And I wanted to introduce a major NPC that you hadn't met before. And I was trying to find which one made the most sense. And the reality is, is pulling the Grimalkan idol out of the Growling Sanctuary, whoop-de-freaking-do. I just added that, okay, all of a sudden, when it popped out... Anybody who had any kind of arcane sense that was very, very strong would have noticed that something just yeah. occurred, some artifact appeared. But that was just all horseshit that I created at the moment in order to justify introducing the goddess queen yeah. Mishkenet. Because re- the reality was, in my mind, she was the, the, the being that freed Caitlin. She was using Caitlin because I like the idea of... So I knew that Tuscali t- plant eggs within humanoid or other beasts Mm. bodies in order to hatch and i like the idea of of introducing putting a slad a slad is a type of beast from the monster's manual and they have like tadpoles when they're being born as well so putting that in a body as well to see what would happen between the gestation of a tuscali egg and the slad as it's gestating to see what would happen so for all intents and purposes, is experimenting. So my thinking with this, and this ties back to the very first campaign, because you remember when Jenny was saying, uh, she was like, I want to be pregnant. I want to be pregnant. I was just like, oh gods, what do I do with this? Mm. So she was thinking of immaculate, immaculate conception. And I was thinking, no, we're not going to do immaculate conception, but what could be inside her belly that makes her think that she's pregnant? And so that was my answer there was that she had been implanted. So I, I like that to, idea. That's, that's one way to kill her off. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted... So again, Kalen left and I wanted to be something like, how did he escape from the, the Tuscali holes? Like, what was it? Now, originally, the goddess Queen Mishkenet came involved because he left. Prior to him leaving, my thought had been that he was a paladin of the ancients. And so it was his connection with nature and that as being a focus of of his oaths that allowed him to break free on his own and that i wanted him to eventually take you guys all the way up to the source of the river to find out that the manifestation of the world tree up there because there was a lot of objects of power there Mm -hmm. that would be very useful like powering up powering yourselves up to become more powerful gives you guys more ability to build followers and eventually get hirelings because that was something we'd been talking about how yep. to do, introduce hirelings. So to build up that renown so that you guys eventually, potentially, are leading an, an army. So hmm. anything, accessing the real stones. All of that. 
All I mean, of and that, that was that were, thing. It, it were possible we, ways we, to build up yeah. every one of you in one fashion. And, and we had reached that point where, had we not ended, this would have been the go after the GFA, found that thing had been all dealt with, or just go out and do the Elbrum. To be honest, the GFA the thing Elbrum. was like whoopty freaking do. The thing yeah. was, was what well, the hell is Cabal, would have gone Cabal and, doing? Well, we probably would, at that stage, would have gone and done the, um, the Elbrum leap thing. Yeah. Because Cabal, Cabal is not on our radar. You know, and I was thinking about this because remember when we first talked about the, the leaf thing and I, I'd said when who was to go down inside that hole, mm. it, my original thought had been it would be Odvik or Kalen. And yeah. I thought Odvik more than Kalen because Kalen had to fear uh, repressed memories of being in the Tuscaloosa yep. holes. So I, I really thought Odvik would be the one that went down. So I was surprised that it was freaking Elbrum mm. that decided he was going to go down and use freaking well, pixie he dust the, to fly. He did the floating thing, yeah. 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 Here you go, Tinkerbell. Give me some pixie yeah. dust. So, that it was, I guess, pure luck in the sense that it had turned out to be Elbrum who got the leaf because if it had been Odvik, well, Odvik was gone. <laughs> gone. If it had been Ekmenis or Kalen, they both disappeared. So, yeah. at the end of the day, it was, I'm glad, although I hadn't intended for it to be Elbrum, because it was always like, Elbrum in silhouette, Elbrum in the pyramid, Elbrum in this. I was worried that he was getting too much spotlight. So anybody yeah. else... Because yeah, the rest yeah. of us are sitting around there and we're going, huh, Elbrum's done it again. This is like, to me, Elbrum and stuff was like the crimson nib nibblers and eating the special. Mm. And, the, the, and the plus side was that when we eat the special, we get something that goes for 24 hours. Yep. When Elbrum does something, it's going to hang around for, for, for days and weeks as we wander down it. And every time he does something, it just gets more and more entertaining. So from my point of view, from a, from a, a, a player point of view, watching Elbrum get all of the stuff happening to him, it, it just was like added, it just added heaps to it. And, and the fact that he was this like mobile guinea pig mm. was just great. So yep, Elbrum, off you go. What's gonna, it's like, what's going to happen to him next? You want to know something that I had in plans for the Crimson Nib Nibblers? So, as you know, if you ate the special, yeah, you got you mutated, the... and the mutation would last for 24 hours. What you don't know, and of course you'd get your discount for the other Crimson Nib franchises, but what you didn't know was that I was rolling to see if any of those mutations would last longer than 24 hours. And there's a very, very small percentage. It was at least, I think I had it... One in a hundred type One thing. or two? I think it was 1%. Yeah. And if it stuck, then the owners of Crimson Nib would be coming and looking at you. So they were, they were actively monitoring. So you guys rolled to see if you got addicted, Yeah. which was very, very low. You, you just had to beat a DC-5, yeah. uh, lower than a DC-5, and you'd become addicted. And whenever you went in, you'd whenever you went in, you just had to pass a DC-5. Otherwise, you'd be forced to order the special. Yeah. And of course, you guys always suppress those feelings, but they were always looking out to see if anybody and, and monitoring people who had the special to see, and they had their little sect, the route watching people to see if anybody had a mutation that stuck. And if you had a mutation that stuck, they would be out to kidnap you because they are doing magic experiments. They test and someone who has the genetic disposition for it to stick to be more, more than just a 24-hour thing, but to become permanent is someone that they need now to figure out why that happened so they would be doing magical experiments on you specifically in order to figure out how this was so that they could make their spells <laughs> oh, last that is longer. Priceless. That is priceless. 
That is excellent. So that, is that, that was my ulterior motive. And so I, I was always curious to see if anybody oh. was going to, why am I getting addicted to this stuff? Anybody who wanted to figure out why we're getting addicted because there was a Crimson Nib plot, subplot that was in there as well. Well, at, at the addiction thing was, um, well, the first thing is that we didn't need to be addicted. We were going to go there anyway because yeah, we're just, just nuts. Yeah. But the addiction thing, I think, I think part of what, from the player point of view, is like, yeah, we're just going to give it a shot. It only lasts 24 hours. The addiction thing is like MSG. Yeah. Like, yeah, walk in the store, MSG. Yeah, like we'll we'll have that anyway. Yeah. But uh, and we did have someone that didn't like. Uh, was it Kalen? Who didn't take it? The last time round, uh, everybody did. The only pl- players that did had not, not tried the nibbler it? would have been Odvik. Because yeah, Akmenis okay. tried, Oraki, oh, but in the, That's right. In the last round, Akmenis didn't eat it, and the rest of us did. Well, because he was at that point, he wasn't there. And then the yeah. very next day, oh, okay. uh, Caleb yeah. quit, and then yeah. he quits so, as well. So anyway, yeah, we're all... We're all yeah, so the three of us are going to keep yeah. chewing away on this but stuff in his, to see what But in his last one, Oraki convinced him, and he went and tried, and yeah. that's why he had Earth Sense, Earth Allergy yeah. Sense. So I, I thought the whole Crimson Nib- Nibblers thing was brilliant. I thought that was just... Eat the special... Eat the special. It was a, you know, just like that. It's just a lightweight thing that doesn't have a thread to it, other than the fact that you go there and eat, well, the, eat the special. Here's Interestingly, the it would have had a thread to it had one of us become permanently adapted, in which case it would have ended up being a thread similar to the leaf. And the thing is, too, is what I'm going to miss here and what I'm concerned about is that while I have had a month of downtime between moving to the new house. It has let me become more and more proficient at using Fantasy Grounds and stuff like this because I'd forgotten things like eating the special had a discount. I forgot to do your guys' addiction checks and setting things up in Fantasy Grounds to remind myself that I need to do these things. The visibility and where and how to see this as a DM so that these things do happen. I'm getting better and better and better at doing that. And now, of course, I'm worried that with taking on the in real life paying your mortgage business that and if i don't have that frequency it's all going to disappear oh i suspect i suspect very much this is going to be like riding a bicycle mm. and it's going to be that thing of you it's just it's just going to be getting back on the bicycle so things like for example if we if we just look at crimson nib we just look at the fast food joint mm. to start with that's that's just going to be the next show Here's the fast food joint. You'll pick it up. The same stuff will be there. You'll remember about the discount. Maybe not the first time, but the second time. Well, again, and, and it, it will it, just and it will just build from there. It it all comes down to if if you set things up in such a fashion using the tools that are there, then it just becomes okay. You guys are going to Crimson Nib. You pop open the Crimson Nib thing. It's right there. Now it's right there. Previously, it wasn't there. It was something yeah, I had to remember. Yeah. Now it was right there so that you would see it and I would see it as part of, I've just opened up the Crimson Nib Nibblers. There it is. Take care of it. So it's all about knowing how to use those tools to, the, to your best advantage so that it's not about trying to remember every single rule because that's just a challenge in and of itself. So that at the end, you just keep yourself focused on the story. And that's, that's the big and, thing. And when you think about it, if, if once you've, it, it should be that you just put the pin in the map Mm. and then what you see is what you've created. You know, click on the pin, I've got the store, this is what it is. Yeah. And then it just becomes about creativity. You don't have to remember what um, Crimson Nibblers does. 
It's just what's the next door going to be that I'm going to create. And when you figure out there is another bit of functionality that you can yeah. cash in on, yeah. then you just add that functionality to the yeah. to the pin yeah. or to the yeah. or to well, the this, store this that you've created. This is what we were talking about before too, is, is being able to and, color, and, color the pins as well, so that that also adds another element of just being able to quickly see and find that information as fast that as possible. There. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's 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 to me that's relevant and important. Being able to quickly get to that information without digging through it, because digging it was dig kills immersion. Yeah, and look, and digging through the stores. What I was, what I would like is that um, rather than have, well, I want the pin on the map. Yeah. But I also want to be able to find the pin on the map. So. The, yes. It is kind of clunky the way that you have to you have mouse to go over every pin to find. Yeah, it. and there's no easy way to go through no. any other object in in the no in fantasy ground. So that really that just becomes a dictionary of stores that you can go yep. to. Yep. Well, I mean, well, and, and you're not probably, just a dictionary, but the items that you have on it and stuff like this. And well, I'm thinking of a dictionary of stores. So in the same way that you use a street directory to find out where the you know or a GPS to find out where the nearest McDonald's is. Yeah. Yeah, you just type in McDonald's well, and it'll give you every one of them. Part of I it would too imagine, is... I would imagine that you could probably build a... You know, in the top where you had the transport? Yep. You created the transport pin? Yeah. And that had all of that information. That was all drag and drop? Yeah. I think that you could probably create some kind of dictionary for stores the same way so that you except, could get except, a list of what the stores are. Yeah, they could be categorised, that kind of thing. As you reveal them, but, they become... They show up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, if you're looking at it from the fantasy ground point of view, you would just as want you go it to, to Unity, do it, that it, it just happens automatically. Less work for the DM is so that you just want the DM to focus on the story. So all yeah. the other stuff with battle maps and making this and that, you just want drag drop done. Don't yeah. don't make things more work for the DM. I think the creative the creativity of the store really does become that thing, doesn't it? It's like I'm going to create a store. This is what I'm going to call it. This is the type of stuff it's going to sell. So I've got to come up with a name, type a few words, and then just drag and drop objects well, onto that's, the store. That's just and it, in like, this particular scenario, the only the, the the one thing that doesn't seem to be native in D and D, like they have the weapons that you can carry and wield mm. and all that kind of stuff, but actual food isn't native to to that crimson nib was provided with food that you've invented. Yeah. So that's that that then goes back to the generic functionality of how you do it in Unity, and that is you don't actually turn around and say, well, it's going to be a weapon. You just say it's going to be an object. You're going to dr drag an object onto it. It's going to have a... You invent the type of object that it's going to be, and it'll either be something that comes from D&D &D or something that you invent, yeah. whether it be food or... Well, uh, th this, is, this is the complexity, too, when you're, when you're doing adventure that ha is based out of a metropolis is that there's stores up the wazoo. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a village, there might be one or two stores yeah. and that's it. Whatever goods they have is what they have. If you buy them out, then that's it. Yep. The thing with the metropolis too, that, that learning more about is that yes, there's bound to be a store that sells it, but how long does it take you to find it? I yes. love the metropolis. I, I really enjoyed the, the whole map thing. And every time we, came across another store hmm. that it got a pin it would have been as you say the coloring of the pins would have been great because hmm. then you would know what you were looking that's at that's magic it's got a pink or yeah that's that kind weapons because it's blue yeah yeah and yeah, then yeah. you would be able to look at where you were on any particular point in time and the same way it would have been nice you know here's a little cross this is where you are wandering yeah. around the main map that we could then say well what's near we'll go shopping there we'll have a look at that see what's in the window over there that kind of stuff yeah yeah 
that's the other thing too, is that when you guys are like, well, Elbrum was like, I'm going to go off to the temple because I need to find the best healer possible. And here's the other thing too. I regret, now that I think about it, saying that you go to the temple to heal. That's not the purpose of a temple. A temple's purpose is faith. I should have changed this. I apothecary. Yes. If you wanted healing, you should have gone to something like an apothecary. Yes, absolutely. Well, an apothecary is usually... It's really small like a chemist, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the thing. My mistake. Because in Eberron, temples are for praying. You don't go to a temple to heal. It's just that it becomes... You think that way because the cleric class is supposedly a religious class. And the big thing about that class is they have the ability to heal. So it's just this relation between the cleric and a temple that, mm. yes, there's clerics in the temple and they heal. Uh, anyway, I wonder if a cleric has a shingle on his house because it's like, as you say, it's apothecary, so they're going to give you some kind of drug. You get a herbalist, going to give you something like that. Yep. When you go to find yourself a druid. Yeah, I should, I should, herbalists should be the healers. That's what I should herbalist, have Herbalists, the healers? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I would have Anyway, thought... which way. So yeah, Elbrum wanted to go to the biggest temple that has the best healers and lesson mm. learned. But I mean, again, he, he naturally gravitated towards, let's go to the temple. And I influenced that by Kaylin getting healed there and other occasions where you guys hit temples. So he goes it, there. Wouldn't it be good if you actually could have the temple and just drag and drop everything? People, stuff yeah, that would yeah, be just, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he but went there. But he went there, so it would have been nice to have a little album token there and whatnot. Because on the maps, like, yes, normally you can, but maps tem- tend to not have... I don't put the hex grid down on a map or a square grid on a map because mm-hmm. it clutters up those city maps too much. Yeah. And so where are people and would they stay together? And yeah, they would diverge. I've got to go, you know, Kalidus wants to go off and do this and and Oraki's going to do this and that. So being able to see and, and move yourself about in the map. Yeah. And I love it. And, you know, how much time does it take you to get from this part of the city to this part of the city? You know, all those little, little Again, things. You look at Unity and the functionality of Unity and you say, yeah, this is so simple. Uh, it is just a sprite on a map. You have a background map. This is the sprite. You know the scale. And Unity says, how fast does your vehicle go? It'll get you there. It'll follow the route that you have to follow to get mm. there. And yeah, with every click that you, with every turn that you end, which is representing five minutes or five minutes or whatever, it will progress as Wait, it takes I, you to I get can, there. I can just that imagine so what that would mean for, for all of a sudden your battle maps. So oh, just setting it up, setting it up, building it so that, you know, someone created this battle map by hand, hand drawing it. Here you go. Let's import it in and somehow having it so that, I, I don't know if, if it means someone's got to trace over or like use Photoshop or something to highlight the roads or something like this and say that this is the scale. But yeah, imagine there'd be some work involved to doing that, but yeah. It really comes down to to the objects on the battle map in terms of what you can pass through or travel along. Yeah. So that would then define, uh, if it's swamp on both sides, you can't pass through it, so therefore if you attempt to go in there, there's an impact. Yeah. The speed at which you can go again is, a, and, and, all of this stuff is native functionality to. And to me, to, so so if you if you've got a, a plan view looking down on one of these, yeah. you would sort of draw circles around trees, saying you know if you hide under a tree, you're going to be given cover, that kind of thing. Yeah. So when you look at a, a even a complex map, yeah, out in the open, yeah, wouldn't take a lot of work to actually just draw, highlight the areas where certain things happen. And also just allow the ability that you, if you change the 
the grid size, it'll automatically scale stuff so that all of a sudden, you know, before that was a kilometer, now it's now it's only 500 meters. Yeah, you put a you you put a you you would just turn around and say, here is the map. This is how big yeah. it is. This is the scale on it. It just draws the the grid you, over the, the top thing of the is, graphic. Is, and not, that's it. And does all the calculations for how far you can go. And in, in Metropolis, not not so much to limit the people's... Um, for me, the purpose of it is directly tied to... I always struggled with, okay, how long does it take you guys to get from here to here? Is it midday when you get there or is it afternoon? Or And it'd be, it would have been nice to be able to say, oh, to get from, from the District of the Hyena all the way up to the Linus District would take you an entire day. That, that would no. have been nice to be able to say, you know, if we take an earth sled, it's going to take you, I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but the idea well, again, is, is that you, to know that the, from, from, because time to me was important. If you look at the functionality <clears throat> that you built in, in terms of transport, mm. then, then really the functionality of within the, in the city is not that hard. Mm. I know who I am. I simply have to click on a destination and select a mode of transport yeah. and it'll tell me how long it's going to take me to get there. Yeah. And the one thing that we didn't even get into that I had been thinking about as well is that teleportation circles, you know, so if you needed yeah. to get somewhere quick, like let's say if you need to go to Nuri Natal, would there be a teleportation circle network? And then I was sitting there thinking, because in Eberron there is, and what would be the cost? We hadn't so, got there. And I thought part of that was, didn't we have this discussion early on in the piece? And that was that they are available, but not to ordinary people like you. Yes, they, and not, so not, you had not to, normally, no. Yeah, you have yeah. to progress up the track. Well, it was very costly to use teleportation mm. because the reality is teleportation circles are very, very high levels of magic. Yeah. So they can only be implemented by people who are, you know, plus 10 in, yeah. in their levels. And again, it's, a, it's an area of wide, low magic. People that are like level 10 and higher are ridiculously rare. So the cost... Yeah. To use teleportation circles would be and look. Let's face it. Very, once very once Calidus had reached level ten, he'd just be counterfeiting money and gold and all that <laughs> kind of stuff right left and center. So the cost would not be an object. Yeah, yeah I want to create gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can do that. I'm creating gold. Well, there is the the forge cleric, and the forge cleric is allowed to per day. They can basically transmit create anything. They could forge anything that is less than a hundred gold pieces in terms. Yeah. So cool. It, what that meant was in Sleeper Island was a lot of the time we were using the Forge Cleric at the very beginning would be to con- if you wanted to convert your gold to platinum because the, at the beginning there was like there's no bank you can't convert it and eventually the people were like uh, whenever you're in White Moon Cove you can automatically convert copper to silver silver to yeah. blah 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 so that you know you could do that there and I always thought that's one of those things that they do to allow people to do but it would have made much more sense to. Do the th- what we talked about ages ago about implementing banking and whatnot. Yep. Because yeah, I, I was sitting there like, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of saying, if you found a thousand gold pieces, too bad, so sad. You can't just convert it into platinum. You're gonna carry it. <laughs> well, it's gonna be a, a challenge. Yeah. You know, that, that's just the thing. That's the whole point to me is, to me, if if you go to a place and it turns out that there is a thousand copper pieces there, a thousand copper pieces is like two hundred pounds, I think. Maybe it's twenty pounds. Point point zero two times a thousand. Uh, it's twenty. So yeah, twenty pounds. It's, it's, that's not so bad. Yeah, you can carry twenty pounds. But you know, okay, ten thousand, two hundred pounds. I mean, do you guys have enough to carry? And well, the thing is, is it might be two hundred pounds, but how much volume is that? Can you fit ten thousand copper into your backpack? No. 
I can if I'm programming it in Unity, because Unity will do that calculation for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> can we please have Unity what tomorrow? What is the volume? Is, well, that's one of the things. Eh? That, that's one of the things. In D&D 5e, they limit certain things. Like we talked about, well, he's small, and he's got a strength okay. of 15, which is the same as the strength of 15 for someone who's medium and large. And yeah, whereas, sort of like, unravels, in Pathfinder and stuff like that, yes, small, having a strength of 15 when you're small means it has a, a more mechanical meaning to it. And they skip that in 5e in order to just, you know, avoid some of the complexities. Fine. Uh, same thing with your volume. What's the volume of your backpack? How much can you do there? Well, from the pen and paper point of view, who the hell cares? That's just some administration that is just completely utter know. bullshit. But from the virtual tabletop point of view, if... The software is taking care of it. Absolutely. The well, software is taking care of it. Oh, you, you, you can't carry it. Software is taking care of the, um, the, the weight now. Yeah. You know, that was a pen and paper thing. That, you know, if, yep. if, when you put this thing in the car, would you worry if you were doing it in pen and paper? And you go, no, well, I'm not going to worry about weights. I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, you're, carrying, you're freaking carrying a horse. Oh, well. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. But that was the thing that there was... I convinced, like at the beginning, Sleeper Island was not going to do the variant encumbrance, and I convinced them that we should be doing that. You shouldn't it, be it allowing them. It, it didn't require anything extra. No, for the for a DM. So that to me, that's the thing. If you don't have to do anything extra, you go there. Yes, that's the whole point. As long as it doesn't require, if if the software takes care of it, let the software take mm. care of it. And all the DM has to do is just being like, "Dude, you're encumbered. Why didn't you got the encumbered condition on?" Yeah. And realistically, if the software in Unity now changes such that if you are using variant encumbrance, your <laughs> overall weight yeah. is is higher than your encumbered condition. You yeah. get the encumbered condition, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it, it or not, it's yeah. automatic. So, I mean, I, that still doesn't change the, 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 the fact major, that you still have to drag where your yeah. character is moving think, on the map. But, no, but it would. I think the major change that would come out when I when you think when when you think about what the functionality is that Unity can add. The major change is going to be the DM is going to have to determine a, t a time frame and a move. So that if you are travelling through town, you've got to determine, you know, I, I click the button, it's the next move, and moves are five minutes apart. Or how much time has passed since the last move that you made. So the, the drag and drop functionality becomes an issue. Well, and maybe there should be two modes. Maybe there is one mode where you actually just turn around and say, well... Know, this is where you are, this is where you're going, in the same way that we lock tokens in a battle. Yep. So if I am going from where we live to the Lioness District, yep. that's where I'm going. And you say one hour passes, it updates where you are. Yep. And another mode is where you just turn around and say, well, you just drag yourself to wherever you want to go. We won't worry about well, time and the functionality from, from, such from, that it From does the point that. of outside of combat, moving from A to B, I, I yeah. wouldn't care that you... I wouldn't limit that you only go this far and it just shows this far on a map. Uh, you'd be like, I don't know you want to go from here to here, okay, that is going to take, Unity tells me it's going to be a day and a half. So, all right, you're going to move there, fine, I don't care. So what It's next is, day. Yeah, so all I care about is yeah. that. In a combat, though, being able to see that you are in an encumbered condition so that, and you've locked the tokens, so if a person, so they're normally is, is 30 foot of movement, they're now down to 20 foot, they could then move their token 40 feet, and then Unity says... <laughs> Okay, they can't move more than 40 feet, but it also knows that if they've decided to move 40 feet, that means they've, they've taken the dash action. Mm -hmm. So if they've taken a dash action, then their actions tab, anything that is considered an it, action, it, it, it disappears. Be, it would be, I'd say it would go the other way. 
that if you want to move the 40 feet, then you have to use the dash action rather That's than what I'm say that rather than let Unity say that you are using it. You'd have to make the conscious decision. I'm going to use that. Mm. Mm. And, and apply that to yourself. So you yeah, click because, on the dash I mean, you're, action you're, and then it allows you to go You're, you're saying, okay, they might have accidentally than. made it. But I, I would like, yeah. I would sit there and I'd like to say that, so it still needs to be approved by the DM. They yep, can't absolutely. move. It still needs to be approved. But they move 40 feet. And then on the character sheet, they're like, oh, hey, my actions are gone. Oh, 40 feet, right, dash action, right, sorry. Okay, no, no, I'll move back. So you I know, would actually go the other way around and say that if, if in your default, because of the because it will do it, I would say the functionality will be in the default mode. If you're encumbered, it knows you're encumbered. When you try and set where you're going to, yep. greater than a distance you're allowed to go to, yep. the actual arrow would change. Stop. Well, it would, oh, it I would have color. a change. I, I, mm. would, I would turn around and say, well, we're yeah, going to draw yeah, a yeah. line here. First part of the line's green. Last part of the line's going to be red. Or, 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 or so it's green, and then it turns to a lighter shade of green, meaning that you're now implement. It would, it would become dash, yeah. and then it would turn red, meaning that you can't get that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that would, would be a way. And yeah. if you did that, that would well, it would. Oh. That that yeah. would be. I, that, I like uh, that. That, that yeah. actually that would work because yeah. yes, that would mean that yeah, it's green. You can go there, and then a light green or an orange. Indicates that you are now you, you have, have to, to do a you dash. Have to do, or you have to do something different mm. in order to achieve. Like we've calculated what you can do in the background. Yeah, you've got to figure out what you're going to do to be here, and it might be that you've got to cast a spell. Yeah, so you can get here if you. Yeah, right. So yeah. you go it back and figure haste. out what you have to do. Yeah, and if they go back and cast haste, then you get the green for as far as it goes. Yeah. you won't get an orange unless they have a another thing they yeah. can do. Yeah. That kind of functionality. Yeah, yeah. the rogue, the, whole, the, the rogue, and the cunning action would be interesting as well because yeah. they can take a regular dash action, but then, then they can do a cunning action to do another dash. Yeah. So when you mm. when you look at this stuff, we're talking about moving. You just build in a moving engine to it. Yeah. Like, okay, we've got a moving engine that we're going to build into yeah. into fantasy ground, and this is this God, is I how it's what going to work. Doing. I really wonder what if they're even considering any of that stuff. I, mean, I don't we know. know I, we know I about the think, dynamic. Lighting. I would think that if there's we only know the fog of war. I think if there's only one person coding it. Their, content, their, their absolute is going to be just all we have to do is get it out of... Yeah, move it from the classic version we to the Unity into version. Unity engine, and, and then and then start bringing the money in, hire some new coders, and then we can develop this other stuff. That's, yeah. that figure should be how the, you enhance. You know, that should be the way they go. Yeah, and yeah, prioritize yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. It'd be fun to code on that. I wouldn't mind coding on that. That'd be a great project to work on. Well, and the thing is, is just, you know, putting yourself out there and saying, hey, dudes. I mean, and the, re the reality Can't is... Can't actually code. They're all in America, I think. Yes. Ah, well, fuck. I mean, coding. Damned. I'm coding damned. from a long way away. <laughs> so I always thought Damned was a, an employee for Fantasy Grounds. He has a huge presence in the forums and stuff like that. He helps organize the FGCon. Mm. He is not a Fantasy Ground employee. He's just a Fantasy Grounds advocate that lives in Australia, in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I had a couple of conversations with him. Anyway, a lot of interesting things. And I mean, you know, That's when it. you're retired and stuff like this, to me, they, they should be loving. Hey, I want to code. I'm retired. I know Unity. All right, cool. Yeah. We'll pay you $10 an hour. Yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. Just give me my we'll license free. <laughs> give me give me content and license for free. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll call it even. <laughs> anyway. That's it for this week, guys. Uh, that closes out Embers from a Chimney. I wish it could have gone on longer. And who knows? It probably could have gone on for a couple of years before these guys reached level 20. And 
and figured out what to do with the hive queen tech lead. But life happens, things change. And this was brought to you by Crimson Nib. Yeah, don't buy the special when you go to the shop, though. Buy the special when you go to the nibblers. All right. Catch you guys all later. Until next time. I hope you've enjoyed these campaign diaries. They have been a blast and a nice entrance to the world of podcasts. Okay, Stacy. So what's next? Perhaps a live play podcast with post-play chats with the players. Perhaps some bite-sized podcasts of a session highlight from the player's point of view. Stay tuned. I'll let you know via at Crimson Nib on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Crimson Nib. Until then, take care. <laughs>